Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. look at the Acts of the Apostles and uh, seeing how that applies to us and the church today, Colin. Yesterday you shared what happened in Luton in the 70s when you were leading a church, an Anglican church in those days. What happened when you invited the Holy Spirit to come and take control? You say it turned your lives upside down, but it was wonderful and you were empowered um, to do so much more than what you could do in the natural. Do you think it's true that we can think we're full of the Holy Spirit, but yet not be. Yeah, I think it's it's very true to say that we don't allow the Holy Spirit to have the freedom in our lives, the lordship in our lives that he needs to have, that we want to try to use the Spirit and channel the Spirit in ways that are acceptable to us instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way. Um, because, you know, the Holy Spirit is not traditional. That's, that's the thing. The Holy Spirit is life, he's power, he's God, he's love. And uh, so, you know, a lot of our traditional uh, things really get completely overwhelmed when the power of the Holy Spirit is released. And uh, probably a lot of responsibility is in the hands of leaders who want to feel they're in control. And when you give the Holy Spirit uh, the freedom in the church, you are no longer in control. He is. Now, that doesn't mean things get out of control because if they're under the control of God, they're much more secure than if they're in the con- under the control of man. So, um, But it is exciting because when God is in control, then obviously there's so much more life, so much more power. You see so many more lives being changed and transformed. It's not just the healings and the miracles. I mean, they're there, but they're part of the whole thing, you know, and you just expect those as a, in, in the normal course of events. But, but you, you see the way that the world sits up and takes notice. I mean, we had the world, not, not just Christians, but we had the world looking at what was happening there and uh, television programs, press and everything, you know, co- constantly being impacted by what God was doing. And so, you see, this is just a, an ordinary group of very ordinary church-going people, but God is extraordinary. And when we allow him to have the place in our lives that he wants, then he begins to do extraordinary things in very ordinary people. And that's just the point you were making as you were reading verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 yesterday, that Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses around the world. Yes. to go outside the church. Well, absolutely. But let me make a very important point here. He didn't say you will witness, but you will become witnesses. Now there is a big difference, all the difference in the world, because what so often happens in the life of the church is witnessing becomes an activity. And Christians say, I must witness for Jesus. But when you become a witness, you hardly have to open your mouth. People see Christ in you. They somehow his presence, his life, his power gets communicated through you. Uh, you have an impact upon other people. You simply become a witness, not just to other Christians, but wherever you are and whatever you're doing. 
So there's a big difference between, you know, an evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal believer saying, I ought to witness, or even I want to witness, and actually being a witness where what you are impacts the other people that are around you. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit really begins to have the place and the freedom in people's lives that he wants. They simply become witnesses. And other people begin to say, what is it that's different about you? What do you have? What is this love that is, why do you love me like you do? And you probably, perhaps haven't said anything or done anything, but people just sense there is this love that is pouring out of witnesses. Uh, and, and, and it means that even people that have been antagonistic to the gospel actually can begin to turn to people that are witnesses and, and be open for them to help them. Uh, they may not say, you know, I want to know your God or anything like that, but somehow they sense you've got something that I need, something that will help me in, in my life where I am, especially when problems arise. And I think that's, that's what it really means to be a witness. But we're only witnesses, you see, not so much because of what we do, but because of the life and the dynamic of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Very subtle difference then. One can be very, very productive and the other can be very negative. Yes, not so much negative as just not very fruitful. Mm. It doesn't produce very much, you know. When we're witnessing in our own strength, we're spending a lot of time talking, arguing, discussing, debating, trying to talk people into the kingdom. Whereas when we're witnesses, when we do things in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is able to sort of bypass a lot of that and get right to the heart of matters. It, it's, it's something that's very difficult to explain in words, the difference, but it, it, it's just as if a person's heart gets touched, not his mind, not his intellect, not his reasoning. But something in the heart gets gets touched. And this is why, under the um, power of the Holy Spirit, non-believers can come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, the convicting of the Holy Spirit does not happen through the intellect. It happens because something touches their hearts and they begin to see their need of God. And, and I believe that is really the fruit of the Holy Spirit in those who are witnesses. It's very interesting, isn't it? I, I, I think it is, because I've seen the difference so much, you know, in my life and ministry. Well, after Jesus said this to them, he disappeared. He was taken up into heaven, we read. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was it. Well, uh, well let's read from, in, from uh, verse 9. After saying this, they watched as Jesus ascended until a cloud hid him from their sight. They kept staring up at the sky until two men robed in white garments stood beside them. You Galileans, why stand here looking into the sky? Jesus, who has now been taken from you, will himself come back in a similar manner to the way he has just departed into heaven. And, you know, I'm tempted to say at this point, and there are lots of people waiting for his return without getting on with the job of what's got to be accomplished before he returns. And this, this is where we need to be focused on this commission to take the gospel of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom, the love and the power of the kingdom out into the world to impact the lives of other people. But not through systems or methodology. Well, you know, uh, you can say that they have their part, but they certainly can't be central. 
They can't substitute because the true life. They, they, no, they're, they're no substitute for the Holy Spirit. Um, you've got to have structure in the church. Um, but you see, the right structure, and the right structure enables the working of the Holy Spirit. The wrong structures restrict the working of the Holy Spirit. And this is why even structures need to be flexible so that they can uh, move, if you like, change with the moving of the Holy Spirit to enable that, that ongoing work of the Spirit to happen in that particular church or congregation. And that means that sometimes leadership structures have to change and the way in which people make decisions and go about things need to change uh, so that the Holy Spirit is really able to lead and not just be a sort of an addendum to what people are doing. And I mean, it's very easy for me to sit here and say these things, but I've, I've got the right to say them because I've seen it happen. <laughs> I'm not talking theory, you see. I'm not writing a book on, th on, on theoretical methodology of the church or the emerging church or anything like that. I'm talking about it. the church that you read of in the Bible and how I've seen this outworked in my lifetime in the church in this nation and, of course, as I've traveled around in other nations too. And I suppose then we go on to read about how this actually started to happen in those early days, in the early church. Yes, we go on reading verse um, 12. This took place at the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem. When the apostles returned to the city, they went to the upstairs room in the house where they were staying. Right, now, um, what's the import here? They have been told to wait before they start this business of being witnesses until they've received the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's no point in doing anything else except going and waiting upon God for whatever it is that needs to happen to them. The following verse lists all those that were there. But it says in verse 14, they met and prayed constantly together, along with the women including Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers. They met and prayed constantly together. Now, Jesus had promised that when he returned to heaven, he would ask the Father to send the gift of the Holy Spirit. No doubt the first day they prayed, they were expecting what's going to happen. When is this Holy Spirit going to come? The one that was with us, Jesus said, would be in us. When is this going to happen? The second day, nothing happened. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. It was only on the tenth day afterwards that the Holy Spirit came, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Or rather, I should say we'll be talking about that next week. But the important thing is, what did God do in their lives during those 10 days when they were meeting together and praying? I believe God changed them from the fairly divisive group that they were. You know, they were squabbling, they were bickering, they had all kinds of issues with one another into a group of people that were of one heart and one mind that were committed to fulfilling God's commission when he gave them the power to do so. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 